Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 276 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Which is going to change its state name to Seattle, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> so what you're referencing there was a, a joke site that claimed that like the state of Washington had just thrown its hands up in the air and said, forget it, we'll just change our name to Seattle just to simplify they, things. Cause, they're trying to dis- disassociate themselves from Washington for some reason? Well, I mean, the, 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 if you read the joke article, it's about like, if you say, where are you, which, where are you from? Washington. Oh, D.C.? He's like, no, no. Oh, please, it's the state of Washington. Um, and it, it, it simplifies a lots of things, right? Like, right. you know, people say, oh, from New York. It's like, oh, really? Whereabouts? It's like, Albany. It's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. thought you meant New York City. It's like, well, okay. You know, nobody ever really asks questions about that, so... I don't know why I've been working on working on a, a bug for uh, one of my apps that uh, I thought I was done, but I had to go in and fix it again today because I had we had a text bug on a text input bug and, and because of a workaround I introduced and then iOS 13 ate it up and went oh here's it back to you again right so I just made it even worse and because um, the keyboard hand is hand you know that keyboard pops up and down in you know in your app when you hit a text view yeah um, it's different in iOS 13 it seems to be it seems to not be attached to the to the view controller it's actually standalone. And like layered on top of the on top of the app, but I think that the, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but Swift handle or sorry, uh, iOS 13 handles um, modal views differently now. They're all they're all slide up from the bottom, and they're they're actually floating views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like uh, like card like material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of kind of changing. And yeah, I had to break so. one of my apps in the App Store. Yeah, it's just, that's kind of sort of what I'm what I'm experiencing because because what happened was you know, and this is a this is again, it's another one of those yes hamburger menus. Don't add me. But um, and we have a slide out menu, right? And and when you when you have the chat window open and you hit the slide out menu, right? Um, the keyboard stays up in front of everything. It doesn't doesn't collapse or move off to the side like it used to before iOS 13, 
right? So I had to had to figure out how to make the you know resign first responder and all that stuff to, to dismiss the keyboard and and then not enable it when you're when the when menus still open. So. Yeah, this is something I'm a, I'm a little annoyed with Apple about is it, it used to be in the old days you could pretty much count on if you didn't update your app when the new version of iOS came out. Yeah, it would emulate the old one. Yeah, right? It would emulate the old one and it would be fine. And yeah. and Apple, I, I thought at the time kind of prided themselves on that, you know, that that they did that. But it looks like that's kind of gone away. They seem to make very little attempt now to make that work. Kind of too bad. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one from them to break because they knew that it could potentially have big ramifications for oh stuff was um, hidden behind authorization screens. So now if you can swipe away the authorization screen, the rest of the app just sort of assumes that you're fine to go along and do whatever, which yeah. may not yeah. be yeah. applicable. Um, and I think it's sort of a weird one for them to break considering that they never ever 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 broke the um the auto layout you know use constraints or uses auto i forget what that stupid thing is yeah the, like, the, the the manual one yeah yeah it's like but that would have been a great one to break and just assume everything is yeah. auto layout instead of people oh. having bugs of like why is this not working oh because i forgot to put the uses auto layout oh yeah masks or turns yeah, masks oh, into, into constraints or something whatever it's called that property yeah. you know which one the one that you yeah the one, the one, the one where you, you make a subclass or, or utility method to avoid right yeah you make a you make a um if you want to do any auto layout in your on your own like outside of the storyboard you have to have to call this thing beforehand Is that the one you're talking about i'm looking yeah at. It, it essentially turns off the uh the built the old auto. style before well now auto layout is old style but even older style yeah. of using the, the struts and uh and springs yeah so it translates yeah, that back sort of translates into constraints or something yeah it translates yeah, yeah. auto resizing masks into constraints or something to that yeah. effect. Yeah, and that it one... Was, it wasn't quite that wordy, but almost that wordy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And like, if you're going to break anything, you should break that one because that was one that just caused all sorts of pain, unnecessary pain for developers until they said, hey, why is this not working? And somebody else yeah. said, well, you didn't you didn't flip the magic switch there. I was like, oh, dang it. All right, I wasted yeah. like three yeah. hours trying to figure out why this layout is wrong. Yeah, here it is. So, it's, it's actually translates auto resizing mask into constraints. Yes, that's ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, and that it does that by default, and you have to disable that if you want to do any customization on your auto layer, right? Right. Yeah. Or any like man, like if you want to do in code, for instance. Yes. Yes, of course. And Eric Zajun has published two books based on that that particular feature alone. So speaking of dad jokes, have you seen all the dad jokes that have been on Twitter today? The, um, the the airplane related ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just trying to find an example one so I can read it to you. But I, the, I saw the best one I saw today was just before we started recording. Was you know because there's one about you know, or, you know, hey, there's an, they need a doctor, there's a doctor on board, and they're like, um, uh, dad, your dad nudges and says, that should have been you. And you go, no, no, they're, they're you know, I'm, a, I'm fine. I'm an iOS developer. It's okay. And he goes, well, you know, maybe they, maybe you can help them. And, and, uh, he goes, dad, there's a real emergency going on here. And he's, he's like, well, maybe, maybe you could, you know, translate auto layouts into constraints for them or something. But the funniest one I saw today was Wait, the guy, the guy in the joke was, huh? <laughs> I'm confused. That was a real joke, an actual joke? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a dad joke. They're not meant to be funny, right? I see. Um, the groaners, right? And um, the funniest one I saw today well, was they, somebody they succeeded said, at that one. Somebody said uh, the dad says, "Well, well, maybe they need a, de- a, a developer advocate up there." And uh, and he's like, "Come on, dad, this is a real ser- serious emergency here." And the dad replies, "Well, maybe you can give them some stickers." Oh man, <laughs> forward that one along to me. We find that one. Oh my god, that is so perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, the product managers that I know are forwarding around the very similar pattern of like, yeah. uh, you know, the, the kicker is like, <laughs> ask them if scheduling a meeting to follow up later will be helpful. You know, and it's like, yeah. I'm sure. A designer friend of mine just, just replied to one. Here's the joke. It's flight attendant. Is there a doctor on the flight? Dad nudging me. That should have been you and me. Not now, dad. Dad asking, not asking for a graphic designer to help, are they? Dad, this is a real emerg- medical emergency happening right now. And dad says, go and see if excellent kerning will help. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've seen like a, a, a fair number of these. I did not run across the developer advocate one. So please send yeah, that, that my way. The show. I, thought I, I thought I had liked it. Oh, I'll, I'll find it and forward it to you. But that, that's pretty funny. Yeah, there's a whole community of folks that will that'll enjoy that stuff. It, it, you know, it's one of those weird um, uh, self-deprecating things that, that uh, go around every once in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's how I view them, right? Like I think if you were writing them about other people's uh, jobs, it would have a yeah. completely different flavor and nuance to it yeah crazy i, I searched for dad jokes that was a bad idea because you're just gonna get all these weird bad dudes we do a whole show on dad jokes or not it's our choice so let's carry on um so yeah let's start off with some fact check from last week i was talking about digital darkroom because you guys said silicon beach and that and my my brain went oh i know that name um silicon beach apparently is an area near venice california i believe and um so I used Digital Darkroom. It was a black and white only image editor. It was the first app that had the magic wand tool, which we used to, so, to select things. But the two developers, Ed Baumke and Don Cohn, were the people who invented plugin architecture, according to Wikipedia. And uh, so, yeah, the, they termed the coin plugin, and it's something that we're all using now for modular software, right? Because I remember I had, I think I had Digital Darkroom, and I had to get a plugin to, to, to work with my scanner, you know? So I could scan right into Digital Darkroom. And uh, they were acquired by Aldous at the end, just before Adobe acquired them. And, you know, of course, Photoshop eclipsed them. That's our fact check from last week. So I don't know if this story is still relevant or not, but I, I put it, put it again as a part of our follow-up here um, that WeWork has laid off 2,400 employees, I guess, after their the uh, the downfall from that uh, sale to, to the, they sold to. Um, yeah, so uh, co-founder Adam Newman's resignation and um, the botched IPO, I think that's what we were talking about, right? Yeah, um, arguably sold to uh, SoftBank Ventures. Yeah. Now, I heard, but then, Having said that, I heard the other day that that they've turned around and, and hired a bunch of people back. Had you heard either one of these angles, or I'd heard the layoffs, but hadn't heard the rehire. Hmm. Okay, well, this is a follow up on WeWork, which is kind of an interesting idea. I think was it Mark that asked why is this a tech thing? Right? Uh, well, it's not really a tech thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very startupy, which is why people are associating it with tech, right? It was sort well, of valued like of, it was a tech company, yeah, which is yeah, always they're, weird. They're kind of positioning themselves like it's a tech company to try to get that tech startup cachet. Uh, but it's really not. It's really a kind of a real estate, if anything, uh, right. you know, office rentals kind of, kind of play. All right. Okay. Well, the next story. So I, by the time this comes out, you know, this will be Saturday. So it'll be the day after Black Friday, which is the two days before Cyber Monday. So I suppose this story has relevance. Mike, Mark, what do you got? Yeah. So came across this, uh, actually got an email from Hacking with Swift, uh, which is a provider of uh, books and videos and tutorials about typically Swift development. It looks like yeah. they're having a pretty big sale. Uh, there's still time to get in on it, even after Saturday, because it's uh, it starts uh, started a few days ago and it ends December uh, December 7th. But mm-hmm. they're having 50% off uh, all their books and videos. Right. Now we, and, this is Paul Hudson's site, and we've been talking about him for quite a right, while. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah two yeah. straws on 
on Twitter. So, yeah, so uh, just take a look at it. He's got 50% off a bunch of bundles, Swift Power Pack, Swift Platform Pack, Swift Plus Pack, or 50% off individual books if uh, if you still like to read actual books, which I do, actually. Yeah, and uh, to, to follow up on that one, too, uh, Black Friday Deals, there's a, there's a GitHub page where people are listing um, Black Friday Deals of 2019. It includes, of course, Hacking with Swift as well, but if you look at the link, there's a whole whack of you know development software pieces, uh, some highlights in here. I, I actually, I, I've been waiting to buy a copy of Affinity Photo for my Mac, uh, so I, I bought that. I bought that at 40% off, I think. You know, Parallels Desktop, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Adobe uh, Creative Cloud, all products plan is 40% off. Um, design uh, Affinity products are generally 30% off, which is great. Uh, Pixelmator Pro uh, for the Mac OS is 25% off. I, for the iPad, it's free, Mark. How about that, eh? How about that? Is it, is it, no, it's Pixelmator Photo, sorry. But it's free. Um, yeah, then, of course, the Swift Power Pack that you just talked about, the videos. Um, I think Ray Renderlake also has, I don't know if they're listed on this site here, but they're they're having a Black Friday sale. You can get, and of course, this is not a promotion, but you can get a subscription for the year for $99, and I believe that carries forward in future years as well. But that's a great deal. I think they it's like $20 a month or something like that for a subscription. Oh, it's oh, down oh. there at the bottom of the list at 58% off for the yearly subscription, if that's what you're talking about. 58% off, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And NS Screencast is on there, too. And NS Screencast is on there, too, right down there at the, the bottom right, of this right. list as I'm looking at it. Right. It just remind me is that, that uh, we forgot to follow up on our, our friend with the Texas tattoo on his bicep. Um, what was that? That must have been last show. Week. No, I mean, our brows trying to remember his name. <laughs> I can see his face. I feel so bad. It, it's like Rob or something similar. Yeah, Altido, said, perhaps. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's It's got that, that French uh, thing in it. What'd you say? Rob Fontenot, similar? Uh, Mark, I think this came up because uh, Ricky, who helped us on the show last week, yep. was originally from from uh, Texas, Houston, I if I'm not mistaken. We're talking mm-hmm. about our, our Texas link there, in addition to the, um, you know, should I have a larger belt buckle and, and should I go all in? Like, <laughs> right. Like this individual who had the uh, the Texans cap and the, the Texas, you know, state of Texas um, tattooed on the bicep. Mm. Yeah. And I feel really bad because oh. I definitely know who we're, who we're talking about. I met him only once at, uh, it's like the 2014 edition of Ennis North. I think. Gordon. Is that him? Gordon Fontenot, perhaps? Is that even close to the last name? Hmm. Anyway, we'll, I'll look it up while you're while you're going on when you're one of your discussions of one of these topics coming up, which is happening now. Apple iOS 14. Take it away, Hame. Yeah, we've got a well, an article, I guess. It, it, it feels weird to call it a post on Bloomberg uh, by uh, by Mark Gurman talking about this uh, supposed shakeup within the iPhone software group after the very, very buggy iOS 13 debut. Apparently, there was a, a kickoff meeting with a whole bunch of the developers within Apple to talk about what their new approach is going to be. And it sort of largely boils down into using feature flags to gate features that are like not really ready to, to roll, right? Or at least ready to, to be tested. And it sounds like what had happened here was that QA had builds that were like fairly old because they couldn't test new stuff because it was just so rapidly changing during um, the development phase that things were just so utterly broken that it was like just pointless to test. Um, and it sounds like they'll, they'll move forward with this new process here, which is a little weird that like feature flags wouldn't already be a thing, right? It's not like a, a thing to discover in, in like modern software development. Uh, supposedly this is being applied to, to iOS 14 to, you know, not have this happen again is, is I think the, the mantra here. 
Well, I'm glad to see they're doing something because iOS 13 has definitely been a challenge in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of almost a like a TikTok sort of thing, right? We've, people have talked about the, the TikTok architecture, and I forget which one is like the big change at Intel and then the, the minor revision, mm-hmm. but it was like a, you know, yearly, you know, you'd have something that would, you know, be a big change and then a minor change and then a big change and then a minor change. And then sort of what we've seen, if you, if you look at like iOS 11 as sort of the, the starting point of history here, you'll see 11 had like a ton of stuff and it was really buggy and they realized, whoa, this is, this is really bad. Let's, let's fix this stuff. And 12 was rather, you know, uh, not mundane, but certainly not quite as ambitious Smooth, yeah. in, in the, this sort of stuff it tried to do. And it looks like 13 was really ambitious and now supposedly 14 will be maybe a little bit less so ambitious. Yes, this so doesn't really address snow, the uh, snow, right? ambition part of it, but it, it would sort of make sense, right? If they're going to spend some time fixing the software development processes, then um, I think arguably they'll have fewer things come out, but they'd be hypothetically more solidly developed and tested things. You think they're trying to be move fast and break things sort of philosophy up to now? No, it just seems like just mismanagement of uh, like, like I, I think it's a little bit different than, you know, what like Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, who would coined that phrase or at least popularly coined it was going for of like, I don't really care if it's broken. Like, we'll we'll fix it as long as you're moving fast. Right. Which would sort of make sense given what Facebook can do. It has made a lot more sense when they were predominantly a web platform and, and didn't really have mobile to sort of slow them down and, and have to make them more thoughtful about it. Um, it was like, oh, you know, version 457 croaked. It's like, whatever, just patch it and make 458 go out immediately. Not, not a huge deal. Uh, it's a little different when you have stuff, you know, like at the operating system level that it definitely doesn't move quite as fast. And I think, I don't think Apple was sort of like intentionally you know, going with a move fast and break things philosophy, but they sort of accidentally fell into it is what it feels like. Of like, just, just get it to ship. Go, 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 go. Like it has to be there in September. It's like, but it's not ready. Just go, man. It's got to be on the phones. Otherwise, you know, uh, AirPods Pro doesn't work. Otherwise, you know, right, right, new yeah. Apple Watch doesn't work. Like all of these things that all had to come out right at the same time versus, you know, like, like I think folks have sort of said like, well, you know, what if WWDC was like, here's what's going to come out during the year, right? You know, between the 365 days from now until next year, you'll get these features. We're, and, and certainly other people have dedicated time to saying, what if it went beyond just here are the features this year, but here are the versions, you know, on day one, iOS 14.0 will have X a couple months later, 14.1, we'll have this 14.2, a couple months after that, we'll have that. And then 14.3, a couple of months after that, we'll have this and just, just setting expectations so that people aren't like, Oh my God, where's this thing they mentioned at WWDC? It's like, dude, it's, it's coming. Look, it's on the roadmap. It's, it's coming. Just, just wait. Yeah. They, I think they would never in a million years do that because that would interfere with the hardware sales. Really? So if, yeah. So if, if you knew that the feature you cared about wasn't coming out for another four months, you're not going to buy that phone on the first day. And if you don't buy it on the first day, well, you may buy it four months later or you may not buy it on four, four months later. So they'd rather book that sale right away. And especially in time for the holiday season, which is, which is why they really stuff in the fall, uh, then defer it. Don't you think when they show stuff at WWC that it's pretty solid? Like, or are these POCs that they're showing us? What do you think? I think they're more than POCs, but there's, there have certainly been things that have been shown at WWC and never saw the light of day. Yeah. Like right. what was that air power thing? What was that called? <laughs> right. It was called air power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the multi-charger to, to, yeah. to save them all. Yeah. 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 But that's been true of, of Apple since like even iOS, 
right. you know, they were they were talking about um, stuff in Rhapsody and, and Copeland that never saw the light of day that, right. that were in the betas and stuff, you know? Yeah, so I, I think I think most of the stuff, they probably have a range, you know, most of the stuff, there's like a 90% chance that it's going to ship, but they probably have a little bit of risk built in. There's stuff that's like, well, you know, we think there's, it's probably a 50% chance that it'll ship. Uh, I, I, right, I yeah. doubt that they would announce anything that had less than a 50% chance just because, True. you know, certain yeah, yeah, yeah. risk management, but, but you know, 50% chance is a pretty good chance, but it also means, though, that there's a 50% chance that it won't ship, and sometimes it happens. But do you think it's because of maybe migration issues, or they're not really considering all the different ways that people use their devices, and that's why something that, you know, works for air supply, hair supply on the stage doesn't work when they go to try and ship it? You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think always- that, yeah, I think that things just have a way of taking longer than you think they're gonna, you know, and yeah, they always do, right? And, uh, you know, some things, just unforeseen things pop up, or or they had to shift the resources to something else because something was more critical or, or you know, lots of reasons like that. Um, yeah, sometimes they just may underestimate the work involved and or lots of reasons. Or the yeah. impact on all the different devices. But, um, but, but wasn't there a ton of betas this year? Like, hasn't that sort of been the year of the beta? Like, because, I mean, normally they do like five or so betas of Xcode and I don't know how many they do of, of iOS and, and Mac OS, but they seem to do a lot this year, didn't you think? They did, which is kind of interesting that they had all the, uh, the quality issues given that unless you know maybe this was an experiment maybe they changed their release process i mean it sounds like they did right if they had all those releases because they never did that before they got rid of qa it sounds like too right maybe so maybe they maybe they had too much (laughs) emphasis maybe they had too much emphasis on getting the the beta builds out and less emphasis on making sure the quality was there before anything regression testing and stuff like that yeah so so just the philosophy change actually bit them possible well they didn't they switch out some managers i mean like i know that joel schiller went over to the app store a couple of years ago and and I don't know what IDQ's doing these days, but like haven't they changed some of the managers around a bit? Don't know for sure, but you gotta figure in you know in the ten years that the phone's been around, things will have oh, changed. Yeah, tons of changes, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well we'll have to see what happens when they come up with this uh this thing. Maybe they're gonna they're gonna flag or, or gate their gate their releases so they can turn things on and off, right? That was one of one of our my colleagues was suggesting that sounds what sounds like what they're gonna do. Yeah, which which sounds like a pretty reasonable thing to do. And I think it's a very common software development technique, which is why it was a little weird that the article sort of presented it like it was some sort of... Brand new in, idea? Yeah. <laughs> like, you mean feature flags? Why don't you just call them feature flags? Well, but, maybe that's the one thing that Apple let them talk about. <laughs> right. right. Oh. <laughs> let leak out a little like, bit. Like, hey, here's this thing we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Just, just... How about uh, feature flags? Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah, that's yeah. not giving away any secrets, any Apple secrets. That's true. That's true. Lots of if statements. Yeah. All right. All right. So what else you got for us, Hami? This one requires a little bit of unpacking. So first, you need to know that there is a iPhone smart battery case for your iPhones 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max. And this is different than the one for last year's for the 10? I assume it is slightly different um, without having really compared, you know, in any sort of reasonable way. I assume it's just like a slightly different body setup. Um, but the thing that is definitely different about it, for sure, is that uh, it has a shutter button on the case. Oh, wow. Yeah. And people were like, oh, wow. How does it do that? Is it magic? Is it Wasn't wireless? Wasn't the volume up 
keyed the shutter too? Yes, but this is like an actual little tiny little dimpled button. Um, and here we've got an article on uh, from The Verge where some, well, actually, I think the original content is from iFixit, right? I think it looks like it's iFixit original content. But anyway, nevertheless, they did some x-rays of the device. And it's like, oh, there's actually a couple of little uh, bits of wire that lead from the button over to the lightning connector. So it looks like they're sending some data over the wire to trigger the, the camera flash. Sort of the, cool. the taking of a picture. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, like, I've, I've discovered that if you want the lens to be on the top of your phone, you have to hold the phone upside down. Like, you know, if you hold if you hold the phone like an instamatic camera back in the day, you guys can Google what that is, um, you, your your index finger on your right hand would be the shutter, right? Which is where the volume plus, volume up key is. But the, the lens is at the bottom of the phone. But if, so if you flip it over, you know, 180 degrees, all of a sudden the shutter is at the bottom, right? So I guess it, by putting this little switch there, it, be, it sits underneath your index finger again with the, with the with the lens at the top of the back of the view, right? You follow what I'm saying? I am holding my phone in my hand too, so I can talk about that. Can you hold it up to the microphone so we can see what you're talking sure. about? Sure, here, here you go. Yeah, see, there you thanks. Go, right? I don't I have my sound off, otherwise I could take a picture and play the shutter sound for you too, mm-hmm. which I still... I don't have this problem with uh, with my phone, but I have heard for folks that have the, the super wide on their iPhone 11 uh, Pro that it can get a little awkward trying to use the uh, volume up button as a shutter button because there's a decent chance your fingers will show up in the shot because it's that wide of an angle. Oh, really? Yeah. So I wonder if this was sort of a, a nice little way to address that. I was like, hey, look, here's a button in a completely different spot where your fingers will not be in the shot. Interesting. I'll have to try that out on uh, our phones at work. I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. Yeah, I've discovered when I'm at concerts and stuff like that and I want to take pictures or, or films, take a video of the, of the thing and there's people standing in front of me waving their hands and stuff. So I find that by, just by turning my camera over or turning my phone over, my camera that I make phone calls on, if I turn it over, then, then the lens is at the top and I can get a little bit more, you know, a couple of inches more height, you know, out of the deal. So interesting. Cool stuff. All right. What do we got next, Tane, for I, I, APIs for iOS 13? Yeah, this is a blog post from uh, Andy Ibanez talking about some of the new search stuff in iOS 13, which is nice. Like, uh, for example, UI search bar finally exposing its text field so you don't have to mash around and do terrible, awful things and make assumptions about the view hierarchy to change things like the background color or the text color. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's pretty nice since it's definitely something that has been a customizable necessity that hasn't been there before. Uh, he mentions a UI search text field delegate that he has no idea what can be done with it because... <laughs> Right. Sadly, the documentation only has one method that is not documented, which is, <laughs> which is brilliant. Nice. I haven't yeah. poked around. It sounds to see like standard, like standard 2019 Apple documentation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is really sad. We've, it's all, it's arguably follow up to that that time I talked about it as a, as a pick of like you know problems with documentation. Um, and I haven't poked through myself to see if the uh, like the headers show anything interesting. Uh, but moving on, the one of the ones that I thought was pretty neat is the search tokens, which if you're not familiar with what that UI is, if you've ever used an app where you search for something and it gives you like what will be called like a little chip or like a little uh, rounded rectangle of color with text in it. In this case, he's showing an example of like, you know, here's a selected country you have, or here are these selected purchases. Maybe this is like a filtering or or widening of the search that you're looking for things. Um, and it looks like it's pretty easy to handle these. Um, there is a UI search token class that's new that can help you to render those. It does have a little bit of weirdness in that apparently the um, backing value for this is a... Where is it? Where is it? Uh, oh, here we go. Now, here's the bizarre thing when I'm reading for the article. The tokens do not expose their text or image properties. Instead, you need to assign the represented object property. This object is of type any, the question mark, optional. So you can assign 
assign it anything you need. And in this case, he takes a purchases token, changes the represented object to be purchases, and a country token to be represented by uh, Bolivia. And then you can iterate with them and do stuff. So it's a little bit of indirection, but it looks like it renders quite nicely. Um, doesn't look like you can change the color of individual tokens, just make them all blue or all green. So maybe a future customization uh, will be possible in the future, but for the time being, it looks like they've got this nice little UI that I hope will be a little bit more still, standard. For yeah, still pretty useful. I mean, there's uh, I've, I've built many of these in my day and they're always, you know, they're always kind of hard to get exactly right the way you want them to look, you know, so I, I think this is kind of a great thing. Yeah, being able to just have a, you know, an icon and text that, yep. that you can throw in there and have it look, you know, nice and pretty without, as yeah. you mentioned, having to do terrible things with like a view hierarchy or, exactly. hey, yeah. what if there's like three of them, but the one in the middle is kind of really long? What do you do with that? Yeah, and getting them to wrap around lines is always kind of kind of tricky or when it goes to the next line and all that. For sure. This is something, sure. yep. Yep. This is something built into iOS 13, Hummy? That's what it says here on the tin, so I'm going to take his word for it because I haven't actually tried this out myself. Yep. Actually, I was talking to somebody um, the other day who was talking about our hey followed by the word Siri comments last week. Mm-hmm. He rather enjoyed that part of the show. Did it did it accidentally trigger Siri the way I supposed it would with uh, Overcast dropping the silent part in between? No, but I've but I've now learned to say "Hey," followed by the word Siri. That's one 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 thing that we've happened as a result of last week's show. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of fun with people do different styles. You know, I've heard people say you know "Hey Dingus," which I don't know. I feel is a little bit too uh, oh, really. You know, it, it feels mean. Like I understand why people say it, but it, it, it's weird. Oh, did it change the name of Siri? You mean? Yeah, when they say it you know, on air so they don't accidentally trigger. Um, oh. But I was, yeah, I don't know. This thing that I discovered accidentally uh, with my Google Home is that the assistant will trigger if you say, okay, boomer, which for those who don't know, if you don't live in the U.S., this is a... Um, sort of generational thing, a little like generational war going on between millennials and the boomer oh, the generation. Here we and go. There's, there's, Here we weird, go there's weird meme going around of like this dismissive, like, okay, boomer. And I was explaining it to somebody. They were like, what does that mean? It's like, okay, well, if people say, okay, boomer, and then the Google assistant just fired up. I was like, what? There's no way. There's no way what I said was close to Google. And mm. I tried it again just to see like, you know, was it like, a did I slur my words? And no, it, it will happily respond to that, which is... But okay, boomer, it tickles, really? It, 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 it tickles me pink to see that and i saw a couple days later somebody had uh, tweeted about it I was like, oh it's not just mine so it's a legit huh. thing yeah is that because the google device is learning i mean in general, no I, I i think whatever they're using to try to pick out the you know key phrase is in my opinion buggy because that is not reasonably close to google in any way shape or form huh well maybe that's a that's what they use in in-house for development maybe they, they forgot to comment out that that String. I'd considered that. I'd considered that as a possibility. Someone's like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> but you know, now that this one tweet that went out has like ten thousand, you know, retweets, I'm like, surely, surely, if that was the case, they, you know, silently would go patch and and ship out. So maybe they'll flip the feature flag that that has that turned on and and turn it back off. But uh, still continues to to work to this day. Yeah, yeah. By the way, here's another dad joke. Flight attendant, is there a doctor in, on the flight? Dad, that should have been you. Me, not now. Dad, dad, not asking for an iOS developer to help, are they? Dad, this is a real medical emergency happening. Dad, go and see if RM minus RF till the library developer Xcode drive data helps. <laughs> that, is, that is so detailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I left out the slashes, of course. He, he couldn't 
just say, go see if deleting the drive, drive data, data yeah, yeah. file folder helps. <laughs> no, obviously, yeah. his dad his dad knows a bit about programming. Yeah, it, yeah. it's definitely um, it's harder to read out in an audio medium, but it definitely, in my opinion, makes it way funnier when you read yeah. it. I think. Well, speaking of speaking of reading out stuff, I got to read something to you. You probably you I think you you posted this and, and I kind of ran with it, but uh, just since we've got a few minutes to kill here, um, yes. So here I put this on Facebook. So how Canadians confuse the world. Part one. We measure the outside temperature in Celsius, but our oven temperature in Fahrenheit. Length is in meters, but our height is in feet. Cheese is weighed in kilograms, but people are weighed in pounds. We speak like Americans, spell like Brits, and randomly throw in French words. How Canadians confuse the world, part deux. <laughs> if, if it's a light snowfall, we measure it in centimeters. If it's a big snowfall, we measure in feet. We measure driving distance in hours instead of kilometers. Like, for instance, how far is it from Calgary to Vancouver? Oh, about 11 hours. Uh, oh, how we, can do, we do that, too. What's that? We do that. Well, we have the Rocky Mountains, so so it looks it looks closer than it really is in, in when you're going from those two particular uh, cities. But, I mean, but, we, we use hours to say how far things are from. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's, it's the real world thing, right? Yeah. Um, how Canadians confuse the world, part three. We measure liquid in liters, but unless it's for recipes, in which case we use cups. Properties measured in hectares, but houses are measured in square footage. Football fields are in yards, but swimming pools are in meters. We have the Westminster parliamentary system, but we use dollars and cents, not pounds and pence. Our maple syrup is $1,800 per barrel. Our oil is $40 per barrel. Yet no maple lobbyists are demanding that we pay for a maple syrup pipeline. That's follow-up, right? Yeah, how do they ship maple (laughs) syrup in trucks? (laughs) Well, don't forget the secret maple syrup reserves, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I think if there was as much demand for maple syrup as there is for oil, we might build a pipeline. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So does everyone, everyone, house in canada have a third tap that pours out maple for syrup. maple syrup that would be cool <laughs> yeah i don't know we'll have to see if we can get them installed in our igloos does that mean going the, the the british style of having the hot and cold taps oh, separate true, yeah, and yeah. a third tap purely for i'm unclear what temperature the, the syrup would be though hmm. yeah it's true would it be heated or not hmm. yeah Good but it had to be heated enough right to keep it viscous or sorry um liquid yeah and true. less viscous well and you want your syrup to be kind of warm on your pancakes you don't want cold syrup on your pancakes well quite it true, out of the true. fridge cold though but again i guess it sits on the counter for a while it's an interesting conundrum mark i never thought about it yeah, yeah. there might be a business opportunity there to retrofit i'm trying to get to homes. the folks really i am sorry what I, I was i was saying there might be a business opportunity to retrofit people's homes to, to add the maple syrup tap oh yeah yeah should, we can make an app to basically that. you can make an app to keep track of how much maple syrup we have that's a maybe good point we could maybe that's we the could. app we should build for the show yeah, yeah all right let's bring us to our picks portion of the show so how many why don't you lead off on the picks oh it does did we skip in the yeah, we skipped a couple of things in there did we... oh did we okay let's go back uh where were we oh yes the app store that one the toronto apple store yeah, unless you want yeah, to talk toronto... some more about maple syrup well, I mean, the, the Toronto Apple Store is probably like a two-second story, but uh, yeah, it just came out today that that uh, the from Mac rumors that uh, apparently Apple is going to uh, build a ten thousand square foot store in the Eaton Center, which is one of their most popular stores now. Um, and there's a picture of the Apple Eaton Center store there. Is that the Eaton Center store? Hmm, looks suspiciously incorrect. But anyway, um, yeah, so Eaton Center is our big downtown shopping mall. Um, sorry, it's our shopping mall. Not so much big now. It was built in the '70s, but it was big back then. Um, and that's where our Apple store is. And, uh, yeah, so, so they're building a new one. Apparently it's going to be open as early as December, which is like, what, 20 minutes from now? No, three days from now. Uh, I don't know that there's any, I didn't see any construction happening there, but, uh, hmm, that'd be interesting if they can get it done by December. 
Oh yeah, it's interesting. They're they're abruptly ending the uh, the uh, in-store Apple, you know, today at Apple on the sixth of December, which is odd. Our current store is is for those of you driving at home, four thousand nine hundred and seventy-seven square foot. Notice I said square foot, not hectares, right? Your kilometerage may vary when dealing with Canadians, apparently. Kilometerage that makes me cringe every time you say that. Because <laughs> clearly it's pronounced kilometerage. Are we at our, our picks, uh, picks uh, part of the show now? I think we are. We are? Okay. So off you go, honey. Yeah, I've got this post here on uh, Swift Rocks by um, Bruno Rocha, who's got the uh, useful, obscure foundation types in Swift that hmm. I think is interesting to remind myself every once in a while. So I've, I've had this bookmark for a while. I was like, all right, you know, if you're if you're running across a problem, take a peek at this and, and see if it's helpful. So there's some things out there like NS Scanner, which can you know progressively extract numbers and strings from, uh, from a base string. Um, it's not quite as necessary, I think, um, as I think as it once was when now you have all sorts of really cool stuff that it comes out for like phone numbers and addresses and like iOS itself gives you a ton of power, like right out of the, the gate, but there's still occasions where you're going to have to pull out some sort of data from, um, something kind of less structured, right. Kind of more. So um, if we had like opaque. an address block, which included street address, number, city, province, postal code, or zip code, we could search for a string in there. You mean, is that the kind of application? Sure. In, in that case, you would probably use the data detectors that are, you know, so much more powerful now than they were mm, back in the day. Okay. But like okay. in his example, he's like, all right, if you wanted to extract um, integers from some string, so he has like one M for, you know, or okay. I'm, it's like, it's like, I'm very leet two is what he's writing in leet speak, but it's one M very L three, three, seven, 700. And so he, he's, he wrote a little, a little method here using in a scanner to scan for stuff that is a number and parsing out one three, three, seven and 700 into an array. So it's useful for that sort of activity. Um, another one that I think is uh, pretty helpful is NS counted set. So this needs a little unpacking because you have to understand that a set contains unique values and it can only be one of those values. So it's different than like an array where I could, you know, append a, 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 you know, as, as elements and just have however many A's I just said as uh, the elements in there. Uh, you could do something like uh, dictionaries, which he mentions an alternative, like you'd have a dictionary where the key is, um, for example, the letter that you've seen, like how many times I've seen the letter A, how many times I've seen the letter B and then keep a count. But you don't have to do any of that management because N is counted set will do that for you. It will tell you, hmm. you know, how many of these things have you had in there? You can tell like, um, oh, sorry. Yeah. So you can add like a default, like, okay, we haven't seen it at all for this entry. And then when I add, it will increment the count. So you can just ask me, what is the count for this particular entry? Yeah. So basically it gives you the number of unique values. So say have an array of, of words and you know, just from array.count, how many words are in the array. But what if, what if the same word could show up multiple times in the array and you want to know how many unique words there are? Well, you can just create a, one of these counted sets out of, out of the array and the answer. NS cache, I've definitely mentioned as being a make your app go fast is what I think I called it back in the day when I mentioned it on the show. It is really nice that uh, it will handle the eviction stuff for you. I think I ended up using it for uh, image processing and caching of some sort. I don't remember the exact scenario, but it was really useful for that. Says, you know, have I already processed this image? I have. Great. Let me show that. Uh, if not, let right. me go 
ahead and, and do the processing. And it was super helpful in that case. So you can imagine anything that you might want to cash for rather than sort of doing your own management of that using, uh, I don't know, like a dictionary. Uh, I'd suggest taking a look at Anna's cache and see if it handles what you're looking to do. Hmm. Uh, the other one that I've definitely used before is NS ordered set. So going back to sets, again, you have unique values, um, but there is normally no guarantee on the order. Um, very similar, I think, to dictionaries where like, hey, I put, you know, these objects in there. Cool. They may or may not come out in exactly the same way that you have uh, entered them into the collection. Uh, that's different with NS ordered set. NS ordered set's like, cool, I will remember the order in which you added these things and I will give them to you in the order that you have added them to me. So it does a little bit of that extra tracking. Um, again, this is a set. So like an example he shows here, he adds like the number one multiple times. And when he asks for the contents of the set, so he can iterate and print them all out, he only gets a single one and then the fours and the sixes that he added in there. So that's, that's a useful data structure for sure. Uh, and as byte count formatter I've not used, so I will skip that. You can read the article, which you'll have in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, NS data detector um, is pretty nice to uh, to extract data for things like phone numbers, addresses, etc. I definitely do think that you, you're probably better off using the data detectors for most things that apps want. And then we want that extra power where you have a more specific use case, use the NS scanner. Right. Okay, cool. Although I think my description of, uh, or my clarification of what the counted set does was wrong. Oh, really? It's, it sounded pretty good. Like I was looking for the exact I was confused. example. His example here is character in first. What is first that he's saying? He's using the anagram thing, like to test if something is an anagram, right? The character it's in the second. Interview remove. question thing. Yeah. Okay. So you, like you, this is why I was struggling. I should just use the, the documentation. So you, you add any object and then you can get the count for any particular object, which is what I sort of remembered, but his example was sort of confusing me. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose what I was thinking, which is just like what a regular set does is, is counts count of a regular set is just a number of unique objects in the set. So not this kind of set. Right. And since it is a, uh, an immutable set, which inherits from set, it would have the count. So here, hang on a second. So what, what he's trying to do, like in this function here, he's asking if it's an anagram, like madam, I'm madam, right? Or something like that. Right. And is it not saying that if a character appears in the first and second count, he removes it from the set. So if, if everything comes to zero, then it has to be an anagram. No, the, 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 the example, I have to really sit and read the example because it makes it slightly more difficult. So, Mm-hmm. So normal sets uh, have, like NS set, have a count. So you can say, how many elements are in the set? That is, that is yeah. useful information at times. Yeah. Um, the NS counted set, though, has the how many times do you, have we had this particular, have we seen this particular entry in the set? Yeah. So yeah, here, an additional yeah. sort of information. Yeah, here's what, here's what it is. Like, so for a regular set, if you just add an element to the regular set and it already exists in that set, then the fact that you added a second one, that information is kind of just gone, right? Because the set only has a, a single copy of each thing. So say your set holds letters. You add A, great. You add B, great. Now your set holds A and B. Now you add mm-hmm. A, well, your set still just holds A and B. You add another A, it just still, just still has A and B because it has one copy of each one. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't keep track of the fact that you actually added, tried to add three to that set, three of them to that set. But I think what the NS counted set does is it keeps track of how many you actually added. How many A's did you actually add? There's only one A in the set, but there's also a 
numbers as, oh, yeah, but you know, there's three of me, even though there's, if you just look at what's the elements in the array, there's still only an A and a B, but somehow it says, oh, but A, there's three of me in there, three copies of me. So it's sort of partway between an array and a set in that sense. Yeah. And I, now I understand why I got confused because I, I didn't realize, you know, breezing through this really quickly, that um, the first is anagram method mm-hmm. is using mm-hmm. the dictionary style that eventually, like, oh, you, you could do this math yourself, or you can make it a whole lot cleaner and easier to understand where he takes the, you know, first word, throws it into the counted set, and then says, all right, for every character in the second one, remove from the counted set. Which means that if you have, you know, put in a word multiple times, or sorry, a letter multiple times, it will deal with that. And then checking at the very end, okay, is my counted set count the overall count zero? Which is a sort of more, um, more in depth way of looking at it than I. Yeah, I think I think his, his example makes it more complicated than it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I tend to like it as more of like you know, you might want to have unique elements, but unique elements may not answer all the things that you want. You might also want to track how many times have we seen these unique elements because that might tell you something right right but still this is this is one i'd say folks should bookmark and and keep on there if you're pounding your your skull and thinking like all right uh, what, what what should i do to deal with like well see if there's some of these some of these guys might help might not realize there's, that there's, there's some a bug of these in this program by the way in which one which one in the second one the remove c should be removed character yep so i just ran this and i put the word kayak in and so if i if i feed kayak as a first string and second string it returns true hmm. sure i mean kayak probably is an anagram of itself. It I is. don't know what, what, what technically defines an anagram. Like, is, a, is well, a anagram word an is anagram a word, of itself? A word or phrase that's the same spelt forward and backward, right? No, no, that's a palindrome. A palindrome. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. An anagram is when you can make another word out of the letters of a word. The same letters? Oh, let's try Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I don't know the rules. So if we do team and meet, for instance, right? Let's try team... I guess it'd be like one of those. Problems. I'm assuming you mean meat, as in like M-E-M-E-A-T, flesh yeah. or food. M-E-A-T, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, running around this one. So I've got comparing team and meat. Survey says. Yes, true. Let's try meet as in I meet you at in the corner at the corner. Now that I look it up, you actually could have met team and meet. So meet as in I will see you at this location, or team as in to uh, to produce or to abound or swarm. Oh, really? Like teaming? Okay. Like teaming, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm comparing comparing T E A M to M E E T and returns false. Right. So what this is doing is saying is. All the letters in the first word included in the second word. In other words, is yeah. the first word, the letters of the first word, a subset of the letters in the second word. Hmm. So, so team would not pass meat, but met would pass meat, or mat would pass meat. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like Yahtzee, right? That, yeah. You have uh, characters and you make as many words as you want. Yahtzee is dice, isn't it? Yeah. I forget how to play Yahtzee. I'm going to compare, like, yeah, let's try this one. I'm, I'm doing team, but T-E-E-E-E-E-M and M-E-T. That returns false, too. Hmm. Why is that? Wait, what did you put in? I put in T. E-E-M right. and M-E-T, as in met. Because you can't make the first one out of... Sorry, you can't oh, make yeah. the second so, one out of the first one. I was just com- I was oh, trying to remember what Jaime just said a minute ago. If, if it's not the same number, it's not the same count. Right, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No, it does not be the same count. But it has to be the same letters, right? I've got two E's in the first one, and I've got one E in the second one. That's right, that's right. So that's not valid, right? That's correct, yes. Okay, well, that's incorrect. <laughs> what you, said, what you said was correct. I know, I know. Left is right. Okay, okay thanks, Jaime. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine we'll get feedback on this. So a quick Google search about anagrams says that in general, a word is not considered an anagram of itself because it, it requires transforming the word in some way. And if you ended up with the same word, you have not transformed it. So this right. is a little bit different than like uh, palindrome, you know, the other one, right? Of You know, it's the same forwards and backwards where is like a, a palindrome. I mean, it's the same forwards and backwards, right? It has only a singular element. Right. Is, is there a requirement for two? I don't know. I have to look it up. Hmm. My pick this week is a Swift UI Views book, and it's sort of similar to the pick that Jaime had a couple of weeks ago, I think. What was that link to? It was a, a, talking about a parent and child and different kind of things like that. So this this book, uh, this is a sample book that I, that I picked up. Um, There's a, a full book you can buy, but the sample book was pretty pretty complete too, and um, uh, it's written by these people over at Big Mountain Studios and uh, covers basic concepts in Swift UI, but also things like views and modifiers, talks about, you know, um, relationships, parent-child, which we talked about before, where you have the parent view and the child view, and they're contained, it's sort of like frame and bounds in a sense, I guess. Um, but it goes through you know, a couple of different things, V-stacks, H-stacks, you know, um, Z-stacks as well, um, date pickers, forms, lists, you know, navigation views, you know, text fields, toggles, um, and kind of run, so you get 186 pages for free to begin with, um, but, then, but then you can buy the full, full book, and I'm assuming that the book is going to be updated as we go because things have changed a bit in, um, in the last little while. But yeah, so if you're if you're sort of a more l- visual learner, um, it's got like a uh, each page has like a, a view like in in an app and uh, gives you the code for how they how they got to there. So if you're that kind of learner where you need to see visually what you're doing as well as having the, the code to copy or emulate, um, this will walk you through how to do a whole bunch of different things in SwiftUI. This is a little quickly move, quick moving slideshow on the um, on the site here. But yeah, I just thought it was really kind of cool um the book claims to have over 350 uh, screenshots so this is like you're almost getting half the book for free to have a look through how much is the book let's have a look i wonder if it's on sale for black black friday well you've, you've linked the free book right but then there's yeah. the full book at the top navigation i, know, I clicked on the link i'm just i'm scrolling through the thing looking for a price where's the buy now how much money would it, you it, pay it, now it, it's sort of weird so <laughs> i don't know where it is normally but if you scroll down a little bit you'll see the header float in oh, it's geez. like a, like a brown oh. header and you can buy for or $59 US or three think- easy payments of $22. Yeah, wouldn't you think he'd have a Black Friday sale? Jeez. And he's got his Twitter. If you go to uh, Big Mountain Studio, he's got his Twitter account like right there. I think he'd tweet at him. He's like, bro, give yeah. me those those fat discounts. <laughs> really <want> <laughs> now how much would you pay? A lot less because it's Black Friday, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's by Mark Moykens. Moy- 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 is the name of the gentleman who wrote the book. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, I, I just I thought it looked, looked interesting. Thumb through it a bit. If you can thumb through books and iBooks, I don't know. About it as an EPUB, um, yeah, and that's uh, that's cool. I thought I saw it on on the Apple um, iBook Store, but apparently no, it's, it's sold as an EPUB, and I dragged it into into my iBook, which is why it's only on one computer, not all of them. There you go. That's my pick for today. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that this sort of material exists. So, so Mark had mentioned the Paul Hudson material before that was on the yes. Black Friday sale. Um, yep. I definitely do think when you have something that is fast moving, like Swift UI is, I definitely appreciate the eBooks because they tend mm-hmm. to get updated. Pretty Pretty, pretty regularly with those. It'd probably be a disaster if you had an actual paper book of some sort with this sort of thing, even though that is my personal preference for reading where, where possible. Cool. Yeah. Oh, Black Friday, 50% off everything. Let's click on this coupon code coming soon. So we'll have to watch his space for, for the code. Wait, that wasn't the code itself? Like, I'd interpreted it ambiguously based like on coming the Coming soon is the code? <laughs> yeah, because it, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but I actually looked at the main page and there is stuff that is coming soon, like the Swift 
Swift UI animations uh, book he's got, right? Or that he's coming soon. So I thought maybe that was the uh, the code. Well, that's Interesting. I went to, they had a, a conversational AI summit yesterday at, at the bank and they brought in some people from around and this, the, the keynote talker was, speaker was talking about ethical AI. Yeah. Interesting ideas about that. Um, let, me, let me see my notes here. One of the things that was interesting, he was talking about, um, there was a, um, some a pair, a parole comp- organization, some, oh, Cop- Cop- uh, Copa's parole system. It would basically wait, it would, it would wait rather than having human beings do parole. Role, they had decided they would try with AI and have the AI just you know because AIs are impartial. What possible you know because people people are you know biased and stuff like that, right? So they found that it would give African American harsher sen- sentences by a factor of eight based uh-huh. on the information fed into it. And then the, another one was was they used it in uh, we're using an AI in um, hospital um, like emergency rooms and uh, or waiting rooms, and they would send asthmatics with pneumonia home rather than immediate right into. ICU because they they had no date no follow up data because historically anybody who had pneumonia and, and asthma at the same time would get rushed right into ICU and there was no data captured after that so, uh. so the AI was just sort of going well we don't know what to do with these guys send them home just funny right and uh, the other thing too is that they were saying that YouTube is as, as an example they'll feed you more extreme versions of the things you tend to like than you know that's kind of sort of one of the things with their uh, their thing worked right yeah and he's and he's talking about one of the things with with deep learning is uh, with they call a black box problem. Have you heard that? Where we have no idea why the decisions are being made by these. Oh, uh, right, sort? right. Yeah. 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 Cause that's true. Cause with, I think we're talking about this last time that the, we, we have no idea really why neural networks work really fundamentally mm-hmm. because they learn things based on just strange combinations of the data that make no sense to a human. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are and some of the issues with, with that. The new word of the week was counterfactual causation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. That's, that is the word of the week. Yes. <laughs> okay. And what does that mean, Mark? So, okay. So this gets a little bit technical, but, right. I'm but that. It's good. so normally statistics uh, has this kind of way of thinking that uh, causation is not, or rather correlation is not causation, right? And, which basically means right. that- That's what you were talking just, about last week, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what normal machine learning and statistics do is just say, well, we can tell you to what degree things are related and, and we can't tell you why they're related, but we can tell you whether they're highly related or not highly related. And so statistics historically has taken great pains to say that you can't really talk about X causes Y. You can just say in the presence of X, Y is very likely. Uh, but but the, you know, the from an intuitive point of view, the the missing thing about that is that, well, if if you say that, that, you know, in the in the presence of X, Y is highly likely. Well, that also means in the presence of Y, you know, uh, under certain conditions, X is, is highly likely. And, and and they're just correlated. You know, they're one doesn't cause the other. But but intuitively, we have this view of the universe, view of the world that things cause each other. Something happens, and that causes something else to happen. So so one thing that would be kind of interesting, and, and humans are, are good at deciphering that kind of stuff, but computers are not very good at deciphering that kind of stuff because it's not mathematical. They can just say, "Is this related to that?" And this and this is what causes a lot of problems, like we've been talking about with like the the um, you know the sexism, perceived sexism in the in the in the uh, 
credit card stuff uh, because it, it, it can make things to the computer. It's just like this this fact and this fact are related. Uh, but to a human, it looks like, well, it's it's because it's caused by one, one fact causes the other fact. Does it really? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But the computer just sees the correlation and connects them because of that. So so there's a there's an active, pretty active area of, of research right now, especially in AI, on causality. And there is this new mathematics of causality that's out there, calcul- calculus of causality, uh, that, that attempts to put this on a kind of a mathematical basis. And once you can put it on a mathematical basis, then you can program computers to do it. So counterfactual causality is kind of the, one of the buzzwords around this this kind of math, you know, uh, which is basically what computers are bad about doing is what humans are good at, but computers are bad at is saying, well, w- okay, so what they're good at is saying if X, then Y. Okay, that's reasonably easy to do. But but what about the, you know, if if it, say, say it's not X, then what? Humans are good at that reasonably, but computers are very bad at that because it's hard to put that on a mathematical basis. But this counterfactual causality is is a set of mathematical techniques that let you do that. So counterfactual means uh, assume the opposite or assume it's something's not true or something. So so if I said, for instance, that, you know, a, a large percent, like a 90% of people who are murdered are murdered with handguns, right? Right. And, you know, um, criminals tend to buy handguns. Right. So the counterfactual or the, the incorrect assumption would be that people who own handguns are murderers? Well, you know, then it, sort of, yeah. So then so then the argument to think through is, well, if, if your assumption is that, okay, the, the all the handguns cause the murderers to commit these murderers murders right. or oh, enable them to, well, the counterfactual right. would say, well, okay, what are the implications of, this one's kind of a funny case, right? But what what if uh, murderer, potential murderers could not buy handguns? Then what would happen? That's the type of thinking that you do, right? And and, and it's, you know, it's very hard for a computer to come up that, right? It's hard for... Right, and, that's, and this, that's the argument we all have right now is like, well, let's stop selling handguns, right? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As a solution to killing people. But I mean, but, but do we, you know, I mean, but you know, do just, I, I'm just posing this as from the, from the, you know, the scientific point of view, do we have evidence that not selling the handguns causes the murder rate to go down? And, and so if we want to prove that that case is true, then we might want to have a test case where all the other things are equal, but you know, the people identified as potential murderers don't buy, aren't allowed to buy handguns. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do. Right. But, but that, that's why it's, it would be good to have mathematical models to do this kind of stuff because it's hard to do them in real life. Yeah. Cause I, I do, I do recall hearing that, you know, even though, but like for, I mean, it's changing now. Like we're, we're having a lot more shootings in Canada these days, especially in Toronto, um, you know, for drugs and gangs and stuff like that. And it's, right. it's getting a little bit out of hand, like the mayor's getting involved and police chief and whatever. But before, like in previous years, I recall that there were a lot of stabbings, right? Cause Canadians don't tend to, to have access to guns. It, it's changing, like I said, now, right? Um, Although, you know, it's kind of interesting. Have you ever seen the movie Bowling for Columbine by Michael Moore? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting movie. So so Columbine, of course, was the, the high school, uh, which was kind of the first mass shooting at a school to really get press in the U.S. It was in Columbine, Colorado, and it was... Yeah, Little, Littleton, Colorado. Littleton, yeah. yeah, yeah. Columbine High School. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and it, it was kind of, you know, sadly, it was kind of the thing that was sort of the first one that started all this mess that we're in now. 
know. Um, although, you know, that would be an argument of, of it didn't cause anything, right? It, that one, right, that right. one didn't cause all the other ones. It's right. But we think of it as being sort of the cause in our minds, kind of. But anyway, anyway. So Michael Moore, the filmmaker, uh, made a movie called Bowling for Columbine, a uh, documentary, where he went and he tried to figure out the reason why this happened, why the shooting happened. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he started off with the premise that, well, it must be because there's lots of guns around and guns, you know, make people shoot people. And and interestingly enough, you know, his his evidence didn't show that. Um, right. And yeah, he yeah, yeah. and one one piece of his evidence was he went to Canada, where per capita yeah. there's actually more guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. than in the U.S. Now they happen to be more like hunting rifles and things like that, whereas in the U.S. we have more like you know handguns, pistols, yeah, and semi-automatics things. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 things that are made for killing people. Yeah, <laughs> so really um, killing deer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But ba- but basically his conclusion, whether it's true or not, maybe historically this hasn't played out, but it seemed to make sense at the time. His conclusion was that it wasn't actually uh, the guns per se that were causing all the shootings. It was it was the sort of state of perpetual fear that the U.S. media and 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 uh, entertainment industry puts Americans in. You know, and Americans are barraged with you know TV uh, TV shows where people are shooting each other, movies where people are shooting each other, and it's just constant constant violence and and this yeah this this the, you know this where we're sort of um, meant to believe that it's a really yeah. dangerous place out there. Well, you know? so my father, my ex father in law, told me once, you know, when I was quite younger, um, that if you tell somebody something often enough, they'll start to believe it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and, and there are certain politicians in the United States who are constantly repeating the same stories over and over again. I don't know who you have in mind. Too. Yeah. But, but in the <laughs> hopes that, in the hopes that, you know, people will start to say, well, yeah, lock her up. Obviously, she's corrupt. Or, you know, what about right. her emails and right. all that kind right. of stuff? Like that. And, you know, I, I saw somebody, um, a friend of mine was tweeting on, on um, about Brexit because there was some question, they were questioning some politician in the in the UK of the feminine persuasion about her credibility. And and the the tweet was headlined with, why, why do men keep repeating these stories? And it's the same story. If you keep repeating something over and over again, eventually people will start to believe it's the truth. I think that's kind of what I'm saying is that what you're saying about the anxiety and the pent up, you know, frustration and, uh, you know, we're all doomed and we're all going to, you know, whatever. We need to take this into, we need to take this into our own hands and, you know, be dirty hairy about it or whatever, right? That's kind of what, what drove these kids to do this thing, right? Even though the at the time, press tried to blame Marilyn Manson and the, the Matrix movie and all that kind of stuff as causes, right? right? Or, or violent video games, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. That was Michael Moore's conclusion, you know. And now, whether the evidence is held up, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's he's hard done to... A, he's done other movies, too. My favorite parts yeah. of that movie were, were where he goes to Walmart and tries to return the bullets. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then another part, he comes up to Canada and he goes and knocks on people's doors and, and the doors are not locked. And he's right. like, why don't you lock your doors? And I'm like, why do we need to lock our doors, you know? But yeah, things are changing. You hear more and more, you know, mind you, we still don't, you know, I think you guys become tone, don't tone deaf to it when, when you hear news reports about people being shot or whatever here, it's like, you know, um, you know, we're near the end of the year and I, I don't know how many shootings have been, but like, if I said it was like, you know, maybe a hundred or you know 70 or a hundred shootings in Toronto this year, you'd guys, guys would go, well, that's like a week in the States, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean literally these it's, it's gotten kind of crazy. It's like every day there's a shooting now somewhere. In the yeah. Place. It's crazy. 
crazy. It's crazy. Well, we're we're getting it's kind of it's kind of it's not quite there yet, but like there's a lot of you hear about you know shootings and like people just walking up and you know doing the walking up and just unloading a magazine of bullets at people and you know innocent people getting hit and that used to be few and fewer and farther between you know a few years ago, um, but but it's becoming more and more common. We like in, in Canada, in Toronto anyway, not in Canada, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it if it is. Anyway, but that's our uh, what I call that uh, counterfactual causation. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I went to the talk on on this ethical AI to sort of get a handle on on what it because we because of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, right? Like you know, like how do we? And then it was a summit for for people interested in AI and also in um, in development. There's a couple of interesting slides that, or pictures I took of his slides. He had an interesting slide which had like these uh, all photos. Yeah, so he had this big giant ellipse and he's talking about context. And so the big the out, outer ring was artificial intelligence, and inside that ring was machine learning, and he, and in the center was deep learning. And I guess it's interesting to see that you know those are the terminologies that we throw around, right? Yeah. Artificial intelligence is can a chess can a computer be programmed to do chess? and beat, you know, the world leader and the world's best player, right? And then machine learning we've been talking about and the deep learning is the neural network stuff that you've been talking I, about. Actually, right? I, I, don't, I don't agree with that definition of artificial intelligence. I would say... It's a broad... What I mean is a broader subject. Yeah. Or maybe there's a maybe there's a an even broader circle around that one where mm-hmm. can can a machine be self-aware, right? Arv- can, can a machine... Yeah. Can a, can a machine actually have a consciousness? Mm. That's real artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he was talking about where what, he wasn't talking about the, the that's he sort of said that's what we thought it was 20 years ago like we thought oh, if, a, if a computer can win a chess game right gotcha gotcha i see i see yeah, yeah. but you know it's kind of we're kind of beyond that. like now computers are, be, are beating go masters and stuff you know right right causing them to retire no less and he's like yo the computers can't be beat did he really yeah apparently alpha go taught itself to play did you hear that see that's the scary part yeah like it like well you mm. know it kind of learned the rules of the game and then and then taught itself and, and well that's became, you know that's that's kind of what neural networks do they kind of yeah teach themselves i mean but but there is still a a, a a pretty large conceptual jump with what these machines are doing so these machines when we say they're learning really all they're doing is is fitting a more and more complicated equation to data right. and then and then when they when they get a piece of data that that isn't in the original set of data they just kind of interpolate to get the right to get the, the best answer that fits mm. the model so is that really true Truly learning is is an open question. You know, is that how humans right, yeah. learn? It's it doesn't feel like that's how we learn, right? Uh, it feels like we learn in a different way. We we get a fact and we get a different fact, and we kind of make an association between the facts to come up with a wider understanding of things, right? Yeah, which is a little bit different than just building a you know a mathematical model based on data points. Although, I mean, you could you could I suppose make an argument that they are just the same. It's just how we interpret it. Yeah, it was interesting. He was talking about his his own son. Who's like a year old, yeah. and um, and how it it re- how it interacts with him at breakfast time versus his mother because you know he knows that the father will eventually give in and give the kid a waffle, whereas the mother will never give the kid a waffle, uh. and, and that <laughs> kid has a different behavior base. And I see that with my dog, right? Because my dog is Carol always says dogs are, are perpetually two year olds, right? Uh-huh. Um, but Mac will he'll he'll treat me differently than he treats her because he, like you know in terms of his stance and the way he bounces around or whatever, you know when he sees me come into a room room or whatever, especially the kitchen where the food is, right? Yeah. Um, he keeps working at me until eventually I give him a cookie, right? Right. You know, and and she never will. Yeah. Well, she, well, she will, but she's a little more, she has more routines. Like she'll come home from a walk or whatever and she'll give him a cookie or she'll, you know, yeah. she comes into the house, she'll give him a cookie, right? Whereas he has to come and do this dance with me and whatever. Not con- not that I'm 
conscious about it, but he's just, he works me and works me and works me until I give him one, right? So, yeah, yeah. he knows I'm a pushover. But it's, it's just interesting that, like, but like you said, I think dogs and humans in, in a sort in, in an infantile way learn the same way, right? Like, right. you know, they, right. how they form memories. And it's different than how computers obviously are learning is my, what my point is, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's still an open question of, is it, when a computer, what a computer is doing, is that just a whole different scale from what we're doing? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if, if computers could do what they're doing now, just a million times more powerfully, would it be indistinguishable from what we do? Right, or right. is there some some other missing ingredient? That's what we don't kind of know. Right, right. Yeah. Like the that's difference one, is that's too... one reason why the causality is so interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Very stuff. If you're interested in that stuff, there's a uh, a book out. Uh, it's called The Book of Why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mentioned that book, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a trendy book. Um, it's a really dull read, I have to I have So is to this say. your pick, Mark? I, I, hate to, <laughs> I hate for it to be my pick because the book's kind of a dull read, but oh. but the topic is fascinating to me. This could be yeah. my pick, sure. You can cut this down into into a small enough uh, rant yeah. that people haven't turned off their their yeah, uh, have, them go, have them go to sleep yeah. their their pod machines yet. Mm-hmm. I just invented that term pod machine. Yeah, well, it's, you know, doc, I was listening to um, um, Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Yeah, he has a podcast on science and science rules. It's called, and he he always calls it the electric electric internet machines. Yeah, okay. on your, look it up on your electric internet internet machines. Yeah, got all this sort of fancy boomer lingo. I may or <laughs> this technology. What Mr. Hayes. Yeah. Are you a boomer, Mark, or are you just after boomers? I am technically, I'm Generation X, but like first or second year of Generation X. Yeah, I think I'm at the end of the boomer boomer generation. Yeah, I think boomers were like 1965 or something like that. Yeah. Like, they oh, ended. Yeah. 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 After the war, right? 45 to 65, something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. It says here 46 to 64. Oh, 64. 64. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Which is, I don't know, like I used to be tail end of X and now they decided to um, first year or two of millennial, which doesn't make any sense. No, because you slacked off too much. That's why. Right. Anyway, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah so if uh, people are trying to wish you happy Thanksgiving, honey, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at DevilTheHair. Okay, and Mark, if people want to try and get in touch with you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right, as I say every week, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Planned for Thanksgiving? Uh, nothing too big. It's 
going over yeah. to friend's place and eating some turkey. I heard that today. Uh, Friendsgiving or something? Friendsgiving like that? is Friendsgiving, what, uh, what yeah. I'll also be doing for my yeah. plans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friendsgiving. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I have oh, Thursday kind of and Friday off. And I guess hypothetically, I could go see family for this. It's such a it's such an awful time of year to travel. And it's yeah. mm-hmm. such a short amount of time without taking you know yes. vacation days that I usually just wait for the yep. winter holidays. Yeah, I never go to the East Coast this time of year. It's crazy. Yeah, so we have tomorrow and Friday off. So it's a nice long weekend. Yeah, type in coming soon, see if that works for me, Jaime. Nope, apparently it is coming soon, as in it's not available yet. <laughs> I didn't he's, see he's not, it. He's I, not the same, huh? I was just listening to you read it out, and I thought, oh, coming soon is kind of a, a funny way to write down your coupon code, kind of like yeah. the website, you know, slash dot, right? And it's like, what's the website address? Like slash dot dot org. And it's a nightmare to try to explain that to somebody who's never actually seen the site before. But slash dot dot org? Yeah. And it's like, what's the web address? Slash dot dot org. Like what? No, that that wouldn't work. That doesn't make sense. Now I have to spell it out. S L A S. Right. Oh, I thought it was one of those things where somebody got a little cheeky with their coupon code. It's like shebang, right? You know about shebang, right? Mm, I've heard the word. I don't think I know the reference you're making. Well, when you when you're writing uh, shell scripts back in the day, you always started with S H and then bang, right? Shebang. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> that's true. There's an exclamation is called a bang by some people. I thought Mark would know that one. I did know that one. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was. What was I doing the other day? I had, to, I had to actually learn Python, Mark. Oh, Python's a cool language. Yeah, I know. Is it, what are they doing? Something to do with... Hmm. Python's pretty easy to pick up, actually. That's what's nice about it. Yeah. Weird that there's no brackets and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to get used right? to the fact that indentation actually means something in Python. Yeah. And if you get yeah. it wrong, Python will complain. But you'll never forget a semicolon or a uh, squiggly bracket or anything like that because they don't exist. They don't use them, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Are you enjoying the, uh, the duck typing system that it has where you can just sort of massage things into just about anything you want? No, I hadn't really done much of it. It was just it was something I was, uh, some course I was doing. Uh, oh, it was on um, Pluralsight. Um, and the examples he was doing was, was in um, in Python. Hmm, something, I see. Something I see. to do with SSL it's, or something like that. Hmm? I guess this is Python 3, probably then? Oh, I have no idea. I was just, I've never, I never even looked up Python until like two weeks ago when I did this this little course. It was like an right. hour long. What are, you, what are you using for the editor, the Visual Studio code? No, I was just doing right, right in BB Edit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that probably is working well too. And you yeah. can run and then it. Then run it on the pan line. Yeah. Yep. I guess I've done Python when I've done, um, it's at, uh, not Raspberry Pi, the other thing that the kids do. Well, all the kids are doing. Arduino? Arduino, yeah. That's yeah. usually C, isn't it? Is it C? Yeah. Oh, hell, yeah. Python. Python is, is pretty much the, the language of choice for anyone who does like Linux command line mm-hmm. software. So whether it's, it's, you know, writing scripts or, yeah. or, uh, running TensorFlow machine learning calculations or, or anything of that nature, uh, Python yeah. is, is kind of the language choice for that stuff these days. Yeah. yeah I think this Big Mountain Studio guy is, is the same guy I was talking to a while ago who teaches, um, he says here, I've been teaching programming for over 20 years. Sounds awfully familiar to me. Hmm. So, Javi, did you watch the football game on Sunday night? If we can call it that. If we can call it that. It was, <laughs> did you did you see the, the follow-up, how these two incredibly unlikely calls to ever be made in a game and it has almost never happened twice in oh, a the, game. The tripping call? Where uh, yeah. calls uh, with a, yeah. with, a, with a Z at the end. Right. Uh, the NFL is like, oh yeah, those shouldn't have been called. Like, you're darn tootin' they shouldn't have been called. What is that? Yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, uh, I didn't really expect it to be that close because everything was going horribly wrong in that first quarter. Right. Um, it was a, a defensive struggle. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we end up with a coaching change on the Cowboys side because they've got, as somebody said, 
that on Twitter is like they've got nine and two talent and two and nine coaching. Right. Yeah, the coaching um, wasn't so great. Uh, but, but but tell me a little bit more because I haven't really watched the Patriots this year. W- what's up with the offense? That defense is an incredible defense. Oh, yeah. So, no joke. So the, but like, the, what's up? Yeah. As you said, the defense, uh, it's number one defense in the NFL right now. It's it's one of the best defenses that the Patriots have ever had. And they're, they've generally been known for, well, actually not always, but but when, when the when the in the early days of the Belichick Brady era, uh, the Patriots were known for their defense, and and Brady was sort of considered kind of a you know kind of a game manager quarterback. He wasn't really considered an elite quarterback at the very beginning, uh, although that kind of changed over time, you know. And he developed to a much better quarterback, and especially when he had Randy Moss, he turned into one of the top quarterbacks. But now it's kind of it's kind of come full circle, and and the defense is amazing, but the offense has kind of had a little trouble, and it's not it's not really clear why. Partly it's because uh, you know the tools aren't quite there this year as as much as they've been in the past. Uh, you know Gronkowski retired, and uh, he, he of course was the you know the All Pro uh, tight end that uh, he and Tom Brady just had had have you know more miracles for the past few years. He retired, uh, and um, of course you know the Antonio Brown experiment was a colossal failure, <laughs> and uh, and there's been a couple of injuries in some of the other receiving corps. So so and yes, Julian Edelman is there, but but. Uh, it hasn't been quite the same. Uh, at the same time, they lost a couple of players on the offensive line, so the running game hasn't been as strong. So the offense has been a little bit of underperforming from what underperforming expectations this year. So the defense uh, has been really carrying the load, and special teams, special teams, as you guys saw, um, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, special teams have, have made a big, big difference uh, this year. So it's definitely good when you can when you can block punts. That's a really yes. nice feather to have in your cap for sure. Yeah, for sure, it changes the game. Uh, yeah, uh, for certain. Matthew Slater, who you probably have never heard of, is one of the great unsung heroes in the NFL. He's he's the uh, All Pro uh, special teams player, and he, he does stuff like that a lot. Got blocks punts, causes causes kick causes kickoffs or, or really punts to be dropped, and you know, humbled with that. So that yeah, was a good game. So Cowboys aren't out of it though. I mean, they can still they can still win the division, right? Oh yeah, and and they still control their own destiny yeah. um, since the the Eagles lost to the uh, the Seahawks. Yep. And unfortunately though, like that was. Like it's still working out per plan, right? It's like, yeah, you kind of expect the the Cowboys to lose the Patriots, right. and you this year you would probably expect the Eagles to lose to the Seahawks. Right. But right. from the strength of schedule remaining, it's not looking too good because the Eagles have an easier path. So if the Cowboys yeah, slip yeah. up on games that they're not supposed to lose, uh, or ones that they you know are fifty fifty, like coming up tomorrow against Buffalo, I don't really know which Buffalo team we're going to get. Is it the yeah. started off really hot, or is it the hot mess that they are now. That'll be interesting to watch. I'll, I think I'll watch that game. Yeah, it's it's a tough one in, in the NFC because winning the wild card in the NFC is going to be tough this year. A lot of good teams. You know, six, yeah, six and five, six wins or eight wins or nine wins is not going to not going to cut it for the for the wild card this year. No, there's definitely a lot of a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's still still exciting stuff. Yeah. All right, Tim. Sorry about that. We have to get that. No, I just have the sports ball stuff. Exactly. Sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just wait, Tim. In uh, what did I say? 2021. When I have, when I start intensely caring about yeah. the NHL, I'll be like, oh, where 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 are those Leafs now? I don't know. I got to learn. I've been, learn I've been smack collecting talk. some some hockey stuff for you, so you. you 
you're going up on on things. I can't remember. Oh wait, exactly. is Seattle getting a hockey team? Yeah, in uh, oh. 2021 season yeah, is when they'll do. And right maybe now, one in Toronto will the, happen too. Right now they're they're digging up the um, key arena. The pitch. They were showing this at uh, the pitch. Is that is that what you guys call it? No. <laughs> I was like, I thought that was a soccer thing, but I don't know. Sometimes stuff gets reused, you know. Yeah. Um, the key arena where the Supersonics used to play. Um, they're keeping the roof, but it's it's basically a full gut renovation. And it's kind of interesting how they're having to do extra special care to keep the roof supported, not damage it, and some enhancements mm. while they're digging everything all the way down to the foundation out of it. Like they're like they're scooping a pumpkin almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, we call it rink. I don't know why they call it a rink, but ice rink. I mean, I it's know. it's a different thing. So having a different name or for the the playing surface totally makes sense. Well, we call it ice a, a hockey arena is what we call it. But but like when you go skating, you go to you go to the ice rink, right? Yeah, but like the arena to me, it seems like it would be the entire thing around it as well. Yeah, we still call it the arena. The, the rink surrounded by all of the concessions and the stands that you can you know, the press yeah. box and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's not like field hockey doesn't call it a rink. Right? It's, it's a it's no. a field, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, no, but when you play hockey, you go to a, you go to an arena and you play hockey, whether it's a or an ice you go to an ice rink or a hockey rink. Yeah, hockey rink, I guess I would call it when you just like pick up and you're and you know, there's no no fans in the audience or whatever you know, for you know junior games and pick up hockey and stuff like that. You know, what pick up hockey is right, honey. I assume it's like pick up basketball where just random yeah. people show up and play. Yeah. Yeah. Sides. And if you're either shoot against goalies or you hang a hockey sweater from the net, try and hit the sweater. It sounds easy. Hmm. I don't know that we ever, sports ball wise, I don't know if we did or did not talk about the uh, the Sounders, your champion MLS Cup winners oh, against the Toronto. Seattle Sounders? Seattle Sounders against the uh, Toronto FC for the, this is amazing. Like I, it, it was so weird that it was the third time out of four years mm-hmm. that they had met in the in the championship and seattle won the first one toronto won the second seattle won this third one and a, a stat that was pointed out on the radio was like the number of goals for and against is exactly the same when well, you add up was, uh, not not counting like like penalty kicks right you mean the times Just, that they played together played against each other? so so it was uh, uh i think it was zero zero in the first game mm-hmm. ends in penalties toronto wins like two zero i think two zero the second one we beat your team yeah and then seattle won this time three to one right so you take those two the one you take our three and this series is like perfectly matched up between these two teams yeah yeah it, it's one of those weird uh, uh developing rivalries that are I, I think they're good for for sports right like i guess yankees red Sox, right like it's definitely a, a more you know single coast almost the same exact area of the country when you zoom out on a map but i think it's really important to have that sort of stuff i definitely like of course the the east coast versus west coast or midwest versus any of the coast or north versus south mm-hmm. yeah maybe it'll be a seattle san jose hockey rivalry they're kind of the closest teams right it'd be really reasonable and i would yeah. assume that the the league would try pushing that and, and probably also pushing against vancouver oh vancouver that's right yeah that's right more so vancouver you're right you're right but it, it i don't know it it really depends right like um in contrast in baseball when they do the um uh, interleague play you know there are cool divisional rivals or interleague rivals um for sure i think it's kind of fun to watch the yankees and the mets play um but there's absolutely nothing happening between the seattle mariners and the san diego padres which they tried to choose and force yeah they kind of they they kind of tried to align them based on history and have some rhyme and rhyme or reason to it but but you're right for seattle and san diego 
Diego, they're just there's nobody around uh, yeah. for them to to set up to do that with. Like, and, and you know, it's obvious for the the Yankees and the Mets, New York teams, and even like the Red Sox and the Braves has at least a historical reason for it because the Braves used to be the Boston Braves way back when, so that made sense. Uh, and the Dodgers and the Giants made sense because they're the, the two old New York teams that both moved up the West Coast. Plus, they were the two West Coast teams. Although you would think that the that the uh, the A's versus the Giants would would sort of make sense. Oh wait a minute, hold on. Giants and, and Dodgers were both National League, so take I take back that last part. So yeah, it would be I guess Giants and the A's, I suppose. Yeah, it could be the uh, what goes there the, the Caltrain is, or the Bart. I'm not sure what the Bart Bart right. Yeah, and I guess yeah, in LA it's like it the Subway be, Series, yeah, right? In LA, it would be the Dodgers against the Angels. So, yeah, that would make sense, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Tim, what are the set of rivals or or which rival do you have for the the Maple Leafs? Well, it'd be the Canadians. Canadians or Montreal? It's the, it's the original six, more or less, right? So the Canadians are the big one, obviously, because of Canada. But um, Boston and, and Toronto are pretty close. And Buffalo. Detroit, Toronto, too, right? Detroit, yeah. Ottawa. Ottawa. I think Ottawa is probably our biggest rival right now because it kind of splits the, the province, right? Mm. So, it's surprisingly, though, across the country, a lot of people are Toronto fans. Like, you know, because I guess they, they, that's the, the national broadcasted team, right? Mm. Yeah. By the way, real-time follow-up, it is Gordon Fontenot. Hey. Fontenot, as you guys might say in the States. <laughs> we don't have a French background so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe in Louisiana, folks get that correct. Yeah, because he, he must have been speaking at the NS Norris, because I, I looked him up on the I thought he had a podcast, but that was somebody else. But um, maybe it's, it's been unpublished and it doesn't show up anymore. Here it is. So yeah, NS North 2015, he was interviewed on the NS North podcast. So oh, right, right. So yeah, I think it was uh, ThoughtBot had a, had a yeah. podcast, I think. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, he's ThoughtBot is something to do with it. He says here from Snowy Boston thought bots own Gordon Fontenot chats with Dan and Phil about the recent rediscovery of functional programming. So, um, but I thought he was from Austin. You said Houston though last week, didn't you? Uh, Ricky, I thought was from Houston. Did uh, I must re- did I misremember? I haven't I haven't actually listened to that part of the episode. Yeah, now you're confusing me. Actually, it was um, shot straight to the after show to see. <laughs> yeah. Always like to see it because I never know what's going to be in the after show. It's not necessarily show. Oh, really? Mm. It's not necessarily after the show, right? Sometimes it's the well, pre, the pre I stuff. I mean, we we did record for three hours, right? So I had to chop a chunk on the stuff out. Most of the show is still intact. You recorded for so. three hours last time. I was surprised yeah. that it was wow. three. Like when you say well, that, I think, are you rounding? I think we spent about 20 minutes kind of explaining how we do the show and stuff huh. like that. That maybe. Oh, that maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I was like, how could it be? But yeah. And I do remember yeah. that last time we recorded with Ricky, he brought it, he came prepared with a bunch of stuff to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we definitely cut it down. We're like, dude, that'll be a five hour episode at our pace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the enthusiasm and, and the professionalism, but like, there's yeah. no way that we'd be able to do that. But yeah, I think it ended up being almost two hours long, right? An hour and 40 minutes or something. Yeah. The published episode, I think was about that long. We mm-hmm. normally like the, main show normally goes 50 minutes or so and then we ramble right so let's talk about television. You guys been, have you been watching The Man in High Castle season four, Mark? I have not started watching that. Is it good? Uh, it's okay. It's different. Not different. as good as before previous season. I, it's interesting. I mean, like they're I'm sort of three or four episodes in. Like I, they've, they've taken it a new direction. You know, you know where they left off the end of season three, right? Yeah, the it was definitely moving more into a traditional sci-fi kind of direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's I think they're they're playing with that idea now. So yeah, but uh, yeah, there was a reveal that how it just happened now in the in the um, third episode somehow i skipped an episode and i started watching it earlier before we started recording and i went back and watched 
watched the one before because I didn't think I'd seen that one. But yeah, it's it's interesting. But it's no Mandalorian, that's for sure. Mm. Are you watching any of the Disney or Netflix stuff? I'm not watching the Disney stuff, but I hear that TV Plus Mandalorian is definitely not Boba Fett, right? It's not Boba Fett, right. correct? It, it, yeah, he's I, not a Mandalorian yeah, apparently. Yeah. I asked somebody about that today. Jonathan would know, but where's, where's Jonathan these days? Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I haven't I haven't subscribed to Disney Plus because I'm gonna wait until all of Mandalorian is done and then binge during one month. Yeah, but how are you guys avoiding all the memes and stuff? That are going I around? I can't. I Mark probably memes. doesn't know. It's like so I won't even mention the the mm-hmm. meme that I'm like, dang it! Why did my entire Twitter feed fill up with this? So mm-hmm. I've just learned to accept it. Well, right? speaking of that meme, did you hear that that like there was some issue about Disney and they took it down for a while and now it's back up again? Uh, I know Giphy had Giffy, gifts from yeah, the Mandalorian yeah. that yeah. I guess Disney got real upset about, and then somebody in marketing was like, "You idiots! <laughs> this is like the best PR we could have. Let people yeah. spread the meme." And so yeah. Giphy put it back right back up. So yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's uh, yeah, but but I've, I'm here heard good things about the Mandalorian, so looking forward to watching that. It's entertaining. Let's put it that way. It's it's, it's very well done. So yeah, uh, I'm also you know as I mentioned like waiting for Apple TV. Um, I'm really hyped for Servant, the the M Night Shyamalan one that's coming yeah, up really soon, according to the the commercials I see on TV. Yeah, I think you and Ricky were talking about that last week, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't think I've seen who's in it. Haven't the foggiest, but it looks creepy. So yeah, it looks like I've a seen, good one. Uh, I may have seen something on IMDb, but I don't think I saw it on uh, on that. But yeah, you're certainly seeing a lot of Apple TV Plus commercials on the on the TV these days. Yeah, they're they're pushing it really hard. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of commercials. You know, the weird thing is, so I've seen a lot of commercials for uh, the morning show. I've mm-hmm. seen some for um, not Man in the High Castle. You guys just said that uh, for all mankind. Yeah. Um, I've even seen some for Dickinson. I don't think I've ever seen, and I was talking to a friend about this. I don't think I've ever seen a single one for C. Oh no, I which see is really weird. C all the time. Really? I yeah. guess whatever I watch just doesn't line up with that demographic. I guess which is mm-hmm. unusual. All right. And on that note, I'm going to go back and watch um, Man in the High Castle. All right. Enjoy. Cool. Okay. Talk to you guys later. All right. See ya. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.